Ben Henderson. Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, welcome to the program. Thanks for tuning in. A little later in the program, we're going to talk about sanctuary cities and sanctuary campuses. Lots of talk these days about what response local governments should have to President Donald Trump's radical change in immigration policy. Should cities cooperate with the federal government in their increased crackdowns, their increased pursuit of uh, immigrants and illegal immigrants in particular, uh, or should they be protecting their citizens? Uh, same question for campuses. Should they be cooperating with the federal government or should they be trying to protect the students that they have from this kind of uh, authoritarian reach into into their world. Uh, it's, a, it's a subject that has confounded, I think, a lot of people. Not a lot of people don't quite understand what sanctuary means in the context of a city or a campus. We've, ha- we've heard uh, mayors and campus presidents say things like they want to protect their students, but some of them seem to skirt around that word a little bit and say that they are not sanctuary cities or campuses, even though they plan to protect uh, their residents or their students. So we're going to talk later in the show about that issue, try to get a lot of different perspectives going on what this all means, what it is going to look like, and what the response might be by the federal government if cities or if campuses decide not to not to cooperate with uh, with immigration officials at the federal level. Also, uh, I want to preview something that we're going to talk about tomorrow because I know it's on people's minds today. The apparent unraveling of the administration of Donald Trump over this connection with the Russian government during the campaign and perhaps even into the early days of the administration. Mike Flynn, the national security advisor, had to resign this week because of the things that he did, uh, sort of communicating with the Russians during the campaign. There is a lot of talk about how much higher this much must might go. Uh, should uh, should there be uh, an inquiry uh, launched, uh, an independent counsel perhaps, to look at all of this? Uh, of course, we are paying very close attention to that here at WDET and on this show, Detroit Today, uh, and we're juggling so many things. I mean, the news cycle is moving so fast and so many things are happening with this administration, the number of executive orders, the issues with immigration, all of these things. And so we are trying to keep up as fast as we can. We will tomorrow turn our attention to what is going on with the resignation of Mike Flynn and the Russian connection to the Trump administration, something we've talked about before. Now we've got new information and new news for uh, that subject. So we will do that tomorrow. Today, however, as I said, we want to talk about uh, sanctuary cities and campuses, another topic that we have been sort of uh, eager to get to because of the news. Uh, if you want to talk about uh, Mike Flynn today, though, uh, certainly give us a call. Uh, I would love to to hear from listeners about what they think is going on inside the Trump administration, what this likely means, how high it might go, and whether we're seeing the beginning of uh, an end to this administration. Certainly uh, in, in history, we have seen how uh, uh, things like this can snowball and get out of control. And once they reach into that Oval Office, once they reach into the hands or the control of the president or the vice president, uh, a lot of times 
it's very difficult to, to, to maintain uh, that power. So if you want to talk about that, uh, certainly uh, give us a call today, 313-577-1019. We'll try to work uh, those comments in between the subjects that we are going to cover. Up front, though, I want to talk with author Jim Wallace. He is a best-selling author, pastor, and founder of the Sojourners Advocacy Group. Uh, President Donald Trump's executive order for a travel ban between seven Muslim nations and his desire to build this wall along the Mexican border. These have been really divisive issues here in America between those who value safety and order and those who value liberty. It's been between states and neighbors and between people in faith communities. A lot of evangelical Christians who voted for Trump have advocated for the president's heavy-handed approach toward immigration. But some spiritual leaders say it's fundamental to the faith that Christians open their arms and actively campaign for the rights of everybody, including and especially immigrants and refugees. Jim Wallace uh, has written a new preface to his book, America's Original Sin, in reaction to the things that we've seen the Trump administration talk about and propose. And he joins me now to talk about that new preface. Jim, welcome to Detroit Today. Great to be back in my hometown. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so let's talk about what you wrote and uh, what inspired you uh, to write it. Uh, America's Original Sin is uh, about uh, the issue of slavery and its immense legacy, the immense shadow uh, that it casts on modern America. And it talks a lot about the obligations that, uh, that those of us who live in America now, whether we are black or white, uh, have to acknowledge that legacy, to acknowledge that shadow, and to react to it. Uh, this new preface tries to put those themes into the context of the rise of Donald Trump <coughs> during the campaign and his election uh, in November. Uh, talk to me about what it says and and what what meaning you you hope to bring to that. Well, I've been listening to your uh, preview of the show in the week. And it ties all directly into that. Mm -hmm. uh, the election of Donald Trump is causing a moral crisis in this nation on a number of levels. And, and really, it's causing a crisis in the churches. Because when you think about this, um, a, a majority of white Christians, a majority of white Christians of all kinds, Catholic, Protestant, and 81% 80, of white evangelicals voted for Donald Trump. Now, they said they didn't vote for him because of his clear use of racial bigotry. They voted, they say, for other issues, mm -hmm. abortion, religious liberty, and so on. But but here's the problem. When, when black Christians go to white Christians and say, oh, so racial bigotry wasn't a deal-breaker for you. His use of racism wasn't a deal-breaker. And it wasn't. It wasn't a disqualifier. And now he's institutionalized the racial rhetoric. Uh, he is a white nationalist as his chief advisor. Mm -hmm. uh, he appointed an attorney general who has a record of denying civil rights and voting rights to black people, uh, who called, who was against the Voting Rights Act and called for the gutting and, and supported the gutting of it by the Supreme Court and said that was a good day for the South. And so you've got black parents uh, more fearful than ever to send their kids out the door you have black pastors who tell me every day they're afraid of open season, as they put it, on their young people with the police. 
you've got Muslims who are terrified about being targeted. And so what does that mean for these white Christians who voted for Donald Trump? There's a crisis in the churches between Christians of color and white Christians who voted for, for, for Donald Trump. So I was out on the road at Marquette University last week, and a black priest uh, who was with me on the panel said he's always asking his his white students, have they ever heard racism spoken to from the pulpit in their churches as a sin? And as you just said, my book talks about not just racism as a sin, but racism as America's original sin. Yeah. And the answer, the answer he gets is no, he doesn't get that. And so until it's time, I think Donald Trump is 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 calling for now, it's because of Trump, we need a new conversation on race uh, like we haven't had before, and particularly in white churches and between white and white and black churches. And so the best thing about this new paperback that can came out as a publisher is offering, I said, offer a half price off for people who want to study this. So we're having conversations all around the country within churches and between churches, and and Trump is really causing this to be necessary, because this is a crisis now, a crisis for the integrity of the churches and their message, uh, because Donald Trump used racism uh, in his campaign. He ran on it. He divided people. And now he's appointed people who are putting, as you said so well, a whole lot of people at risk, undocumented people are terrified. Young people aren't going to school in California. Uh, uh, Muslims don't know what's going to happen to, to, to them. And and young people of color face racial policing in their neighborhoods with no accountability anymore from Washington, D.C. So this is a crisis, and it has to be treated as a moral crisis because of the election of Donald Trump. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I find really interesting about this subject when it comes up and about the reaction to this subject when it comes up is the automatic sort of assumption that discussion of the racist things that President Trump said during the campaign, the discussion of the racist policies he said he wanted to embrace becomes the reason for uh, for for uh, people to explain away their behavior and and I'll give you a, I'll give you an example uh, Rand Paul a senator from Kentucky recently said that he was prepared to vote against Jeff Sessions to be Attorney General of the United States Alabama senator former Alabama senator Jeff Sessions the reason that he ended up voting for Jeff Sessions, he says, or one of the reasons, is because Democrats brought up race and the racial past that Jeff Sessions has. And he said, look, that was an unfair portrayal of this candidate. And I wanted to push back against this idea that Jeff Sessions is a racist. So I voted for him. You hear this a lot from Trump voters. They will say it's the discussion of race. It's the obsession with race. Mm. It's the racial overtone that liberals and Democrats want to bring to the conversation that caused them to vote for Donald Trump. It's not just that they weren't thinking about race and racism and in in casting their votes, but in some cases they were pushing back against this idea that race and racism 
matter. Uh, that seems to confound at a fundamental level some of the things that you are trying to get people to think about. If if it's not okay to talk about race, if it's not okay to think about race, if it's not okay to make race a part of these larger discussions uh, and racial history a, a, a part of these larger discussions, then we can't do the things that in your book and in this new preface you are saying we need to do. Well, um, whatever liberals do, whatever Democrats do, that's uh, up to them. My view is that often uh, white liberals and Democrats haven't dealt with race effectively either. I'm talking as a Christian. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, whatever motivates Paul, I'll just sit there and say, I'm a Christian. I read my Bible. And racism is fundamental in the Bible, as is how we treat strangers. These are these are gospel issues. There's, these are theological, spiritual, biblical issues. And to say they're not is to be ignorant of what the Christian faith says, which many Christians, in fact, sadly, are. And so um, here's the political fact, though, that is really underneath all this. By 2040, we will no longer be a white majority nation. We'll be a nation which is really a majority of minorities. The truth is, a lot of older white people aren't ready for that. Uh, and so and so, we're trying to, as the book says, build a bridge to a new America. Uh, it's going to be a new America, and a lot of people don't like how they would say their country is changing. And Donald Trump appealed directly to that. Uh, and so he points to Jeff Sessions. Jeff Sessions isn't just against illegal immigration. He's against immigration, period. And he's the senator that is most against immigration. So when Donald Trump says last weekend that they're arresting criminal criminals and drug cartels, and that's not true. That's not true. They they arrested and deported Lupita, whose whose crime was she she years ago put out a false social social security number so she could work. She came that support her family. She came as a fourteen year old kid. Now her fourteen year old daughter had to pack her suitcase was trying to figure out, I don't know what, what my mom needs. Uh, uh, she's going to be deported. I don't know what she's for, packing her mom's suitcase. And now she's in Nogales, and she checked in with ICE every year because she had this social security issue. And they deported her. Uh, they're deporting moms or kids. So if they say they're not, they're lying. And Christians have to care about moms or kids. And, and this mom was going to church every week with, with, with her kids. So what the Bible says is more important than what Donald Trump says or, or, or Rand Paul says. And so uh, we're going to announce next week, it's already out there, and uh, it's called the Matthew 25 Pledge. This mm-hmm. is the text in the Bible that brought me to my Christian faith when Jesus says, I was hungry, I was thirsty, I was naked, I was a stranger, an immigrant, I was sick, I was in prison, and you didn't come to see me. And you weren't there for me in Jesus. The people say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and thirsty and naked and sick and a stranger in jail? Uh, and he says, as you've done to the least of these, right. you see it everywhere. you've done to me. Absolutely. That's what he says. That's right. This is a Christian issue here. So there are vulnerable people, people who are in fear. And we're going we're, we're, we're gonna to make a pledge, and thousands have already signed it, uh, to support vulnerable people. So sojo.net, S-O-J-O.net, people can find that. But we're going to support 
vulnerable people, because that's what our faith says. And that's what we're going to do. Yeah. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Jim Wallace, best-selling author, pastor, and founder of Sojourner's Advocacy Group. We are talking about a new preface to his book, America's Original Sin, that talks about what the Christian call looks like these days, given the things that Donald Trump ran on, given the things that Donald Trump has done in his early administration. What is the role that Christians are called to play in this debate about immigration? What is the role that Christians are called to play in the debate about civil rights that played out, for instance, uh, in the confirmation hearings of Jeff Sessions, a senator from Alabama who is now the attorney general of the United States? What is the, what is the right thing to do? A lot of evangelical Christians, of course, backed Donald Trump voted for him for reasons that uh, that they would ascribe to to moral issues in many cases but what is the what is the ask of these moral issues uh, to take care of people who uh, are in vulnerable positions to not discriminate against uh, people because of their race or their religion is there a tension there uh, that is about to play out in Christian communities. And what do you think about that? Again, 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there. Also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We will try to work your comments into the conversation. Again, 313-577-1019. What do you think is the obligation of people who call themselves Christians uh, to stand up against the things that Donald Trump is doing that don't seem to comport with Christian belief, cracking down on immigrants the way that he promises to do, building a wall with uh, between this country and Mexico, embracing an attorney general who does not embrace civil rights, for instance. What are the what are the tensions that exist between Christianity and those positions? Let's go to Delphine in South Lyon. Delphine, welcome to Detroit today. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, I agree with Reverend Wallace a hundred percent. We do belong to a Black Catholic Church, Sacred Heart, Near uh-huh. Eastern Market. Mm-hmm. Our pastor said the duty of government. He summarized in one word: justice. And I think that's so wise. But I also called to alert people as to what is going on in Clark Park in that southwest Detroit area. It was always traditionally um, Hispanic area. There are three major schools surrounding Clark Park. Yes. And ICE, the Border Patrol, has been patrolling. So in case mothers that come to pick up the kids... Um, are the kids are ter- terrified? They can't sleep at night. They have nightmares. They sob uncontrollably. It's because they are so worried that their mommies or daddies will just disappear and they'll be left alone. Yeah. This has to stop. So we need, as you say, an action. The action is to go to Clark Park on Friday afternoons. 3.45 to 4.45, and bring it. They have signs or make a sign or just 
show solidarity with these people. Yeah, uh, Delphine, uh, at the Detroit School Board meeting last night, this issue came up as well with regard to Western International, which is one of the schools that's right there around Clark Park. Uh, the 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 principal there was talking about this this fear that exists among among families in his school and and asking that uh, the school board declare um, all of the schools sanctuary schools in in order to, to to push back against this so this is something that that a lot of people i believe are starting to pay attention to this will play out not just in uh, some parts of the community but in all of the institutions that we have um uh, here in in Southeast Michigan, especially because of the large number of immigrants that we have who live here. So, Delphine, I I really appreciate uh, I really appreciate the call there. Uh, go ahead. What Delphine Jim. What Delphine is saying? How can anyone say this isn't a Christian issue? You've got kids who are afraid of their parents being deported, and Jesus says directly, "As you treat the stranger, you treat me." So it's time for faith uh, to act as resistance to this. So uh, we're saying, we're going to say to this administration, if you arrest and deport millions of people who are members of our churches, uh, who kids go to our schools, we're saying you're going to have to arrest them in our churches and in our homes. I mean, I employ young, undocumented kids who sign up for the Dreamer program, and they call me in tears on election night. And and if they want to arrest Yvonne, uh, they're going to have to arrest her in my house. Right. So uh, we have the capacity to say to this administration, uh, we're going to become sanctuaries for the people that Jesus calls strangers, and you're going to have to arrest them in our houses. We're going to have a meeting with every police chief and sheriff in the country, clergy, and, and say there's no longer any accountability for policing, apparently, from Washington. But you're going to be accountable here. Uh, here's my bet. Hey, here's my, my collar. Here's my card. We're going to get to know each other. We're going to help you with community policing. But if you do racial policing here, we're going to watch you. We're going to tape you. We're going to film you. We're going to be in the streets with the kids. And if you register Muslims, we're going to say to this administration, if you register them, there'll be priests and pastors and rabbis in line ahead of the Muslims saying, I'm a Muslim too. This is a time where faith calls for resistance, and it's happening all over the country. And the Matthew 25 project is going to be a real sign of that. We're based in a text, not partisan politics, a biblical text. Let's go back to the phones here. Al in Detroit, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, Stephen. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Um, Pastor, and uh, to you as well, sorry, good morning. Um, Good morning. I'm not arguing against you because I understand. I I applaud your you know compassion, but here's my question to you. You're okay, I, and I speak from a heterosexual male. Okay, your the Christian belief, as it as it were, has been used as a means of hatred for, by the right by the conservatives. I mean towards homosexuals and women, as far as the matters of abortion and gay rights. And I understand your compassion and so forth towards integration and so forth. But how do you, I guess, convince or justify the fact that they've taken a belief and use it 
as a means of hatred toward these people. Yeah, Al, you're speaking here as a yeah, means of compassion for immigration and so forth. Al, that's a great question. That's a really, really wonderful question. Jim Wallace, what do you do when pe- there are people who say, who cloak their hatred of vulnerable people or people who they just uh, identify as differently, they cloak it in Christianity. They say this is what it means to be a Christian is to identify that difference and, and push them away. Does that, does that taint the, the, the label of Christianity? Does that dilute the power of Christianity to make positive change? Well, those of us who are have a Christian faith, uh, uh, always are, are pained by how Christian faith has been used to justify any number of horrible things in the name of the Bible or what we say uh, God thinks. But I, I want to stop thumping our Bibles and start reading them. What does the Bible actually say? I mean, I care about unborn life, too. I, I don't agree with there's a lot of extreme... Democrats who don't even want to talk about how how we can reduce abortion. We should reduce abortion by supporting low-income women. Let's talk about that. But, you know, uh, people who talk about the unborn as vulnerable, which is true, I want to see those people talk about the strangers, the immigrants, as vulnerable, too, or as young people of color facing police officers, or as Muslims who are in danger. Let's be consistent. Uh, let's have a consistent ethic of life, as some have called it in the Catholic churches. So there's a lack of consistency. There's a political hypocrisy here mm-hmm. that's often done in the name of faith, and that has to be exposed. And so it's so clear that protecting vulnerable people is at the heart of our faith, and no one can say that it's not. It's just there in all of our faith traditions. So I think those people who who helped elect Donald Trump and now, now have him. They have what they voted for, and he's doing these things. So now they have to say, what are we going to do? And so protecting vulnerable people, uh, no matter how people voted, should cross all political lines. We should protect the, the people you were hearing about earlier from Delphine, people who in Detroit are afraid all over the country. we got to protect vulnerable people, and that's what that's what people of faith do. Yeah. Uh, let's take one more call here. Isidore on Nine Mile. Isidore, welcome to Detroit Today. Well, thank you. Uh, I just want to say that uh, this fellow here uh, is confusing two different issues. The, the President of the United States is obliged to uphold the laws of the United States, including the immigration laws. I mean, uh, I dislike Donald Trump. I believe Donald Trump is an incompetent and a buffoon and a uh, disaster in progress. <laughs> but I cannot fault him for enforcing the law of the United States because he is the president, and this is the law. Okay. Isidore, thank you very much for calling and making that point. Jim Wallace, what do you say about that? We have laws about immigration. He, The president says what he's doing is enforcing those laws, making them tough as opposed to lax. What's the Christian answer to that? Well, there's 11 million people in this country who are undocumented. There, There's that many because there were two signs at the border, two invisible signs. One said, "Don't tre- no trespass. The other said, help wanted. We, we have a broken immigration system. All political sides are responsible for it. And a number of us have fought for comprehensive immigration reform. 
Now, you can't deport a living people. That's impossible. Uh, it, it can't be. You can't, you can't follow the law and, and deport that many people. It's just not possible. So you have to be selective about who you deport. And so no one is against the deporting of people who are dangerous criminals. Uh, President Obama did, did that, too. But when you, because of a broken law, are deporting pe- people who are obeying the law, uh, uh, you know, Lupita came when she was 14 as a kid, and she's been obeying the law, taking care of her kids ever since. You can't deport her. That doesn't make any sense. And and and, and we're breaking the laws in our policing of young people of color all over the country. We police on the basis of skin color, not the law. That's wrong. We are we, we are attacking Muslims because they are people of a different faith. So so when the law uh, can't be followed, you can't deport all those people. You have to decide who to deport, and you can't deport people who are who are just families and kids who are who are contributing to the society. So what we're we're saying is, and finally, the the law isn't supreme for us. If they're doing things to kids because of their color, police, or or, or because they're immigrants, or, or, or because they're Muslims, that's just, just wrong. And so we're Christians. You know, I'm not an America first person. I'm a Christian first person. We act as Christians first. And right now, Donald Trump, who many Christians vote for, is violating Christian principles. This is causing a crisis in the churches. So I think we need a new conversation on race in America. Donald Trump is making that necessary. So at local levels and congregations, I want to see people studying race, honestly, as adults. A grown-up conversation is really what Donald Trump is going to force us to do, and that could be a good thing to come out of all this. So, uh, you know, I hope people can, can do that in and between congregations. And the Matthew 25 pledge is going to grow all over the country and if you want to know more about this, you go to sojo, sojo.net, and find out about how Christians are responding to vulnerable people who are in real trouble now because of Donald Trump, who white Christians elected. Yeah. Okay, Jim Wallace, best-selling author, pastor, and founder of the Sojourners Advocacy Group, written their new preface to his book, Americans' Original Sin, in reaction to the Trump administration. Thank you very much for being here on Detroit Today. Always a blessing. We'll talk to you soon. All right, coming up next, the city of Lansing is debating whether or not to become a sanctuary city. We're going to talk about that next and continue this conversation about reaction to the Trump administration's new policies. What are the obligations? Now we're going to talk about what local governments can do to push back. What are they supposed to do to push back against uh, Donald Trump? Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. 313-577-1019 is the number. We'll be right back on Detroit Today.